welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and reading podcast. As usual, I'm Justin, and I am joined by... She's alive! Beth! Ocean Sam. And I'm Caleb. Hi, Caleb. It's so jarring. <laughs> Threw me for a loop there. What? It's, just, what? it's doing the intro section. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> the intro section that is always consistent and... Uh, and never changing or unusual. It is consistently keeping you on your toes, and apparently I've accomplished that today, so honestly, yeah. <laughs> on par. The intro theme for this book is gaslighting. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome back, everyone. We are heading into a new book and a, a yeah. new series. This is, I, I mean, there's only one book in it. Sort of. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, a a, a new place in the Cosmere. Uh, we're starting our read-through of Elantris, which means we're back here for another episode zero. Yeah. The book is tall. It's a tall book. This is this is a <laughs> tall book, and yet we might have to get the micro calipers out again, because I was surprised. There's almost 600 pages in this thing. It's still definitely less pages than any of the Mistborn books, but I was still surprised at how many pages are in this fairly skinny looking book in comparison to the mystery. They're very books. thin pages. I may have to go get the calipers. You're right. Oh, they are. <laughs> wow. So yeah, for uh, for those who have not uh, been on one of our episode zeros, uh, we all have uh, Elantris in front of us, and we're getting ready to start reading, but we wanted to just kind of chat in general about uh, what we've got uh, set up in front of us. We've taken a look at uh, the cover, the blurb on the back of the book. Uh, we've looked at the kind of pre-book content. Uh, and yeah, so we're just going to see what we have uh, going in. And then after this episode, we will be beginning our reading. Also, I'm just realizing, I know Mistborn is probably more popular, but decent chance you might be new to the podcast if you see that we're starting a new, you know, a, a whole new thing uh in which case just worth noting justin and beth have read these books before sam and i are going in fresh that is oh correct. yeah the premise of the show <laughs> right just, just in case we got any any new folks this time around anyone who's <laughs> like man i can't stand mistborn but elantris is where it's at you very niche sanderson fan you we appreciate you <laughs> listening to our podcast regardless <laughs> right off the bat how are we supposed to pronounce this book and are we all collectively ignoring it? Because I feel like I remember it's supposed to be Elantris. Oh, I was told that, I'd be fired if I said that. That, <laughs> that simply will not happen. I, I did mention, I think, in our uh, Hero of Ages outro uh, that this is the book where I and I think most of the fandom kind of ignore the, quote, canonical pronunciation uh, because Brandon did invent some weird pronunciation rules, and I just don't think they sound good, and so I ignore them. Uh, oh, so yeah. I say Elantris, but... I looked at the map. Shrug. We're going to talk about the maps in a while, but, like, there's some funky words already off the bat. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go based on vibes as well, and, yeah, I think it's going to be Elantris for me. Funky words, and they all start with three letters. Start. Yeah. They are three letters. They're just three just letters. Just a lot of them. <laughs> A lot of words fall under that category. <laughs> Most letters greater than three words. Or three, oh my god. Fuck it. Go back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to, to wrap up our pronunciation. Yeah, I, I'm glad that most of the uh, Sanderson world seems to agree with us. Because I just assumed we've spent too much of our collective lives in the Midwest. And so, Elantris, just very nasal. It feels better. Well, speaking of Midwest, as, you know, this doesn't have to be the official transition, but back of the book does make mention, um, I, don't, I don't think Brandon was raised in what most people will consider the Midwest, but this is his first big fantasy book, and he did, sure did name the entire world Opalon, which was, that, that's just a fun <laughs> word. So, actually... Uh, although he has lived in uh, in Utah for some time now, he did grow up in Nebraska. Aha! It's oh, intentional. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. This is uh, this is Brandon's first published book. Uh, I was looking up some uh, info on it just before we got started. Uh, he 
this is something that he will frequently tell aspiring authors who are having some some trouble getting in front of a publisher, getting their career going. Uh, he wrote, I believe it was 14 novels, uh, oh, complete God. front to back novels before signing his first his first book deal. Uh, and he admits that you know, the, the first ones were not very good uh, and some of them were he he kind of had this philosophy of the only way that you can learn to write a novel is by writing novels so i'm just going to keep doing it uh but elantris was the sixth of those uh that he had been shopping around for a while and uh yeah he was he was on book 14 of the kind of let me figure this out when a deal was signed for elantris and then i believe very shortly after uh the Mistborn trilogy, and and that was uh, that was where it all started. I wonder if at a certain point you're shooting yourself in the foot by having so many books shopping around all at once. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what, um, and this is something that I think uh, I, as someone who is not a professional writer of any sort, uh, I still appreciate it quite a bit. Um, a lot of Brandon's. Uh, educational content the the lectures that he does the the podcast that he he started uh, are focused on being a professional writer and not being an author which are definitely different things uh, because he does talk about the kind of realities of the publishing industry and how you make a living selling books so yeah i i don't know what the answer to that is but yeah that does seem like it might get a little tricky if if you you know, you, you go up to a, an agent at a, a, a writing or a sci-fi convention or something. You're like, here, here are these 12 books. Would you like one of them? <laughs> Pick a card, any card. Read through all of them and tell me which one you like the best. Well, that's uh, 14 is a lot. But I actually, as someone who did take screenwriting classes and is still looking to be kind of a professional writer to some degree on his own, um, I think there is a little bit of merit actually to having, you know, three or four in your back pocket of like getting to know a publisher, seeing what the, what they're looking for in the market and being like, Oh, here's the one that I think you might be most interested in. Um, that I think there is, there is something to that that might actually be useful for some writers. This feels like a, there's some connection to be drawn between Sam and Caleb, your opposing opinions on this and how you both approach theorizing for these books. <laughs> And the quantity yeah, Sam, thereof. <laughs> yeah, Sam's Sam has to you know get one good one that he's that he's really like thought about and been like that would be really cool if this happened. And I'm like, look, just take all of them. One of them's gonna be good, right? <laughs> so like, if we continue the Sam as sniper, Caleb as machine gunner thing, what keeps happening <laughs> with our predictions is like I when I am reading, if we're doing like. You know, of course, we record once a week. That's us. Uh, but if we're doing multiple in a week, um, I, you know, obviously I listen when I'm actually listening to the final published recording. But after I give my predictions, I just shut my brain off for for a bit, and <laughs> uh, you know, I just double check my notes. So uh, a lot of times I'll like come up with an, a prediction and then find out that Caleb predicted it already and go, "Oh God damn it! I was lining up my shot, <laughs> Caleb." <laughs> Sorry. You threw off my shot. You like take a moment to assess the wind conditions and go to line up your shot, but the body's just already dead on the ground because Caleb already got to him. I, dr I drop my little bit of grass and it's just blown away by the, <laughs> the backblast of Caleb's rocket launcher <laughs> predictions. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's at the back of the book. Yeah, no, All we've right. got uh, we've got a, a new book ahead of us and it'll be interesting because uh we did not do an on-air episode zero for final empire we we did some chatting before we started but that was also just kind of figuring out how the four of us would record a podcast together mm -hmm. uh, and then by the time we did our our episode zeros for well of ascension and hero of ages we were in an established trilogy uh, so we had, you know, we had characters that we knew and plot hooks from previous books and whatnot. So I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get through today. Um, mm -hmm. You know, here's this book that we've got in front of us. We read some blurbs and looked at some maps. Go. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll take a look. 
uh, let me just can I can I just start off on my yeah go my for it opining Let's here? Go. Okay, uh, I read the first sentence of the back of the book and I said, "Oh God damn it." Uh, uh, Brandon is starting off on the back foot for me. This is not my cup of tea from the back of the book. Here's what I'm going to say. Brandon is a very good writer. Mistborn was a kick-ass series. I'm confident he's going to turn me around. But this is very, like, it's got hand-wavy magic. It's got people who are perfect. It's got, like, it sounds very sword and sorcery. It was very funny on one of the most recent episodes of Sam going, yeah, Mistformer is great. I really, I can't stand like standard fantasy. And I was like, uh-oh, I think we might might eventually get a little bit of that <laughs> somewhere in here. Uh, they could perform magics with a bear wave of the hand. Yay. I, I love that. <laughs> I love magic where it doesn't explain it. I'm sure it will explain it. I hope it'll explain it. Brandon, please. I have enough faith in the Mistborn magic system. Having seen the magic Mistborn system, I have faith that Brandon will probably had, even if it wasn't fully developed, those kinds of principles he stuck to when developing magic systems, at least percolating in his brain when he was writing this. I, I imagine it's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be rules. We just don't know what the rules are yet. I mean, Justin, I think you mentioned, like, he lectured on magic systems, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what so, I was. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That was, was uh, one of the things that he became known for um, fairly early in his career. Um, was uh, magic systems, and in particular, his uh, eponymous laws of magic, uh, which he said is uh, a bit of hubris, but it is just kind of a, a sci-fi writer thing to do to come up with three laws and name them after yourself. Um, <laughs> the one that gets mentioned most is the first one. Uh, which is that uh, the ability of the author to solve the plot with magic is directly related to how well the readers understand the magic. So if you are if you are concerned about the the Deus ex machina of here is something weird and mystical that a character does and they're going to save the day, that is something that that he at least tries to avoid and he tries to make it so that, when magic is the answer, it is something that you could you could puzzle through and figure out based on what you do know. Okay. Yep, I knew that he wouldn't leave it at, at, at well, you know, that I don't know if this is dramatic irony, like you guys know that he just leaves it at hand wave magic, but I'm hoping he won't. I'm hoping he won't explain it with midichlorians either. Maybe he will. We'll see. <laughs> if you wanted an explanation, there's an explanation for you. <laughs> It is really interesting reading, you know, for getting into the back of the book at this point. Um, there's a lot of, like, Mistborn DNA still in this description. We have uh, the most specific one being, like, a transformation that strikes randomly at night that gives you superpowers. Like, that's literally the exact same thing that happens for parts of Mistborn. Um, and the, also, the I love the button of Eternity ended 10 years ago. But that also reminds me of, hey, what if there was a world where the um, the hero failed and bad things did happen, like the apocalypse did already happen? Um, it is, it's really interesting to see how this book is clearly going to be very different from Mistborn, but there's also certain aspects of it that really remind me of that plot already. Yeah, no, I think it's a, uh, I, I think it's, it's kind of cool to see, uh, I know in some of the other books that Brandon has talked about. Uh, I don't remember if this is true for Elantris, uh, but there are definitely cases where uh, he comes up with, say, a a character and an interesting motivation and plot line for them, uh, but can't work it into a story. And then later on, he'll come up with a really neat setting and say, well, what if I put that character that I came up with last year, what if I put that in this setting? Does that work? Uh, and then kind of assembling uh, a story from from several different pieces. And sometimes the pieces do have uh, some similarity. So uh, I know there, there's one that we will uh, get into once we start our reading that uh, I will gently mock him for using a, a couple times. But uh, yeah, no, there, there are there are some similarities, but I, I do think that they're going to play out very differently. 
It is also interesting that you mentioned um, characters' motivations because something that struck me about the back of this book, you know, even for Final Empire, it, the back of the book mentioned Vin and I think probably mentioned Kelsier. We don't get any named characters in the back of this book. I have no idea what, like, the actual plot is. The back of the book is just backstory and world building. Yeah. Um, which is very interesting. It's it's going to make, you know, if we have a theory section for this episode zero, going to make it pretty tricky because I have no idea who any of these, any of the characters in this book are going to be or what they're doing. Yeah, that's what I was, what I was thinking when I, when I got this copy and was, was reading over it. Yeah, I was, I was, we've got some, like, people on the front of the book and I know who they are and was like, oh, maybe the back will give hints at least. Nope. <laughs> these are just some random people as far as we're concerned so let's see what else do we know from the back of the book yeah we have uh the city of elantris which we can see these kind of these big walls these spires very fancy looking oh yeah that was the other thing of uh brandon's love for cathedrals has not gone anywhere clearly mm -hmm. yeah and we have uh the the magic of elantris and the people who live there uh, they could they they could live forever. They had these amazing physical qualities. They could uh, wave their hand and perform these magic rituals, uh, and people randomly across the, the the country would get transformed into this wonderful person. And then we have the the twist of eternity ended ten years ago, where we have and I will uh, I will get into this. Um, very briefly, although it, it hasn't quite become obvious yet. Uh, but if you look at the kind of story archetypes that, that could get worked into a fantasy book in the way that um, Brandon has said that Mistborn was a heist novel, but fantasy. Uh, and it, it doesn't play out exactly like a, a heist would, but the, the kind of bones are there. Uh, one of the things that he was thinking about uh, with this story was uh, what would a high fantasy zombie story look like where you have beings that are immortal but because they are undead and not because they are mystical and, and perfect oh interesting, interesting. I, I reading all of this I also had another thought um, which is uh, from the back of the book it sounds rather hand wavy they do literally mention fair wave of the hand is how some of the magic is used um but uh claims that the people are immortal their bodies healed quickly they were blessed with great strength insight and speed i highly doubt that this is actually what's happening but it is weird that all sounds like farukami shit like that 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 <laughs> sounds like a magic system we have already read about in the mistborn series i got a little bit of that too like i was like oh it's <laughs> the terrorist people it is kind of funny, um, the the order that we're reading this in with us going back to Elantris, uh, with, I think, the one or two, the, the one mostly usual exception, uh, we're not going to see a lot of um, references to other books or things off-world or whatnot. Uh, but looking at the Cosmere as a whole, uh, Farrakimi has a tendency to show up, like, unnoticed, in, in some random places. Beth, I don't know if you've seen the full list, but there are a couple of like, oh yeah, that person's a terraceman, by the way. I so, don't think I have seen the yeah, list. Yeah, no, there, there's there's a few. There's some wild ones. Huh. Kelsier. Felt. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord Two Ruler. No uh. Notably, I was going to say, okay, now we did actually name a fair chemist finally. <laughs> But yeah, the other thing uh, that I will mention kind of structurally uh, about the book before we get into it uh, is that uh, this book is going to have three main point of view characters. And this was, I think, probably as a consequence of it being earlier on in his career. Uh, Brandon was very structured about this uh, in that he he presumably knew that he wanted these three different points of view to tell the story from. Uh, and we are going to see through most of the book, it, it starts to get crazy at the end as it usually does, but through most of the book, we are going to rotate through those three POVs per chapter. Hmm. 
Interesting. So it'll definitely be, uh, th- there'll be some places where we get to see a bit of time from one character's point of view, and then we'll uh, we'll go back and, and see again from another side and, and kind of get to get to see the, the full interpretation of it from, from multiple angles. So if you end up hating one point of view, but loving another, you, you, you at least have your expectations set. You know when you'll be free of one and we'll be able to jump to the guy you like. <laughs> Just gotta get through one more chapter. <laughs> All right. Other than the, uh, the back of the book and the kind of cover art and whatnot, the other things that we've looked at, uh, we have looked at the uh, the acknowledgments real quick, just because it's it's good to to see those. Sorry, I did, I, I did just glance at the very very first page, which is praise for Elantris, and the bottom one is his excellent debut novel is marked by vivid, strongly drawn characters, including a memorable female character. <laughs> <laughs> and a genius plot twist that will keep the reader turning pages. He got one in there. He he fit one entire female character to the book. I'm so excited. I have, I have opinions on how the women <laughs> in this book are written. And that's where I'll, that's where uh, it it is a a mixed bag of opinions, and that is where I'll leave that. I think you mean how woman <laughs> is written. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, there's there's others. Oh, okay, but only one memorable one. I see. Correct. <laughs> I really like Terry McGarry's review. I really enjoyed Elantris. It's a wonderful fantasy. <laughs> Full stop. Cut, cutting right to the chase. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Also, Terry McGarry is definitely a made-up name. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there's no way. He's on the second page. There's two pages of the phrase. Wait, I'm sorry. Look at the last one. <laughs> Who said it? That's Brandon. <laughs> Yeah, wait, hang on. <laughs> this is we're for also for context, we're reading the like tenth anniversary anniversary definitive edition. This has gone through edits, there's postscripts, there's it's very tall. And this final acknowledgement is not attributed to anyone. It, it does say right above that uh a, another oh, unusual name, Paul Goat Allen. Uh <laughs> in in the uh presumably a, a sci-fi fantasy journal explorations who added later in correspondence ah. this weird hanging quote Wait, yeah if he already read it after the first paragraph why does he start later correspondence with finally <laughs> maybe book blurbs Paul, are just weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if i could do a weird tangent because that is the the way of the podcast of course at the recent, I forget what the names of all the conferences are, but Jeff Keighley's recent like video game presentation, um, it had a lot of fun video game announcements and fun stuff happening. But after the show, everyone was like, "Wow, there wasn't a there wasn't a single woman on stage for the entire thing." They brought in a lot of presenters, and literally all of them were men. And then Jeff Keighley had to tweet later, being like, "Yeah, there were plans for a woman to be on stage, but something fell through. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it." And the comments I saw were like, wow, one entire woman? And then a, a reply to that being like, almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends who would identify as almost one woman, but that's just in terms of their gender. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are there are one or two things about um, the, the the writing here that I think Brandon has significantly improved on in the future, I'll say. Um, there's nothing like heinous, but there, there are, there are one or two things where, and I, I think he's mentioned this too, of, I, I wish I could do that better now. So we shall see. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's going to ruin the book. My favorite anime is Jojo. And there's like two women for the first like hundred episodes of that show. (laughs) There are many things I love that are imperfect, particularly with regard to gender politics and, and diversity. It does not mean I won't enjoy them, but I think it's also just worth pointing out sometimes when, yeah, there's some there's some uh, shortcomings in the text, and it's just good to know. And then it's also good to know when that's improved upon as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. I won't, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if defend is the right word, but I will say, like, it's, as a guy who has written things and not, you know, been published or whatever, not that cool, but uh, it's hard. You gotta get 14 more books first. Exactly. I got to shop them around. Uh, it's hard to write 
a, an opposite gender and make it like because you feel like I, I'm not that I haven't lived those experiences I don't know how to put it on page and make it believable and sincere so it's a brave thing to like try and succeed and you know that kind of stuff so a lot of authors especially back in the way old days didn't even try so i appreciate yeah. the the uh attempt i guess it's different than just like hey we're, we're we have a an actual woman look it's it's like <laughs> this is someone from his brain who doesn't exist i don't know yeah and you know 2005 is a different era even even that short amount of time ago but like that was almost two decades ago beth you shut up you could (laughs) you could put more in you could look at some of your characters and be like that would still make sense if she was a girl yeah yeah no i'm i'm reminded of uh a uh a series of uh trope names on tv tropes that always amuse me of the uh most writers rx series uh, where it, it it describes if you are following the advice of write what you know, then you are going to see a a, a prevalence in characters that match the traits of of the writers, uh, which start from from things like at least in the professional publishing industry for a long time most writers were male, uh, and so more main characters tend to be tend to be male. Uh, and you, and then that goes to things like most writers are American, where that's going to be the the country of origin for for many characters. Uh, but then it goes on to uh, my favorite two of uh, most writers are human, which explains that in sci-fi and fantasy books that have non-human races, your main characters are still usually human, uh, and also most writers are writers explaining the, the number of, of main characters who make a living in some way writing. I'm looking God. at you, Stephen King. Stephen King. That's, it is. Well, that's also how I felt of um, uh, Ellen loving books so much. It's like, I almost, I, I feel like I'm being condescended to because I wouldn't be reading this book if I didn't enjoy reading at all. But it feels, I, I feel weirdly attacked by having this character being like, books are so nice. I just love reading. It's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wow, those were syllables. Um I agree with what you said earlier Justin that nothing is like egregious make me shut the book and fume. It's just like a little clunky at points. That's that's the adjective I I rely on. It's still good. That's yeah. just clunky. Yeah. And you know, following up on, you know, I said it jokingly, but with regards to Brandon's thing of just keep writing, it doesn't have to be 14 books, but I I would imagine that Vin is a better written female character than a lot of the female characters in this book. And I think that probably came about because Brandon practiced writing women and, and sometimes exactly. it was clunky. Um, and yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a validity to write what you know, but I think it's also important to write part of what you know, but also make sure that you are not just yeah exactly um yeah so and yeah i don't have much more complex thoughts than that but yeah i think there's there's merits and i understand um a lot of the a lot of conversations about you know wanting to make sure that you are delivering a a true to life experience um but yeah like beth said it's also good to push yourself and the more you do it the more you get better at it Hot writing tips to all you writers out there. From me, not a published writer. It is actually kind of funny. I'm going to tangent one more time before we get past the uh, the, the blurb front page of the book. Um, <laughs> in keeping in. with us, yeah. 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 Um, I was listening to a, a recent episode of, of Writing Excuses, the writing advice podcast that, that he started. Uh, and they were talking about um, ways to to kind of learn from your peers in the the writing industry, uh, and and how you do that. And uh, Howard, one of the co-hosts, mentioned that he realized that uh, one of the ways that he learned 
a lot about writing was uh, doing this podcast called Writing Excuses with Brandon Sanderson and Dan Wells, which <laughs> they they said, you know, may not sound like the, the most relevant advice of, oh, if you want to learn to write better, just do a podcast with famous and successful fantasy author Brandon Sanderson. Uh, but they pointed out that when the podcast started, uh, Brandon, I think, had just published Elantris, or was even maybe just about to publish Elantris. Uh, Dan hadn't sold a book yet. Uh, and Howard, who uh, kind of positioned himself as the least like writer-experienced writer, Howard, with the his webcomic Schlock Mercenary, was the well-known and financially successful one that they were kind of riding on to get the the web or to get the podcast started it was you know wow. these two up-and-coming authors and also this webcomic artist who you probably know and like so it, it is funny how things can can shift from there yeah this feels like a this feels like a good time to just do a quick confession to you all i don't care about sanderson at all i'm using you all as a crutch to become a better writer and that's the only reason i'm here that is a <laughs> huge mistake at least if you're trying to get advice from me. So I'm sorry. But I respect the hustle. <laughs> now I'm just picturing our, our final episode, like uh, doing a stand by me thing where it's like, uh, Sam went on to run for president <laughs> unsuccessfully and crashed his car into an overpass. Oh Here. no. Oh no. I've spoken it into reality. <laughs> Well, maybe you jinxed it, so now that definitely won't happen. Uh, we'll see. Now, now you will become president. Yeah. <laughs> Mother Fate was crossing her arms like, well, now I'm not gonna. <sighs> oh, shit, Are the we... book. <laughs> <laughs> Slogan of the we podcast. We haven't even gotten to the, like, like Roman numeral pages yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're on page, like, negative four. We haven't even gotten to the souvenir roadside map that uh, Dern <laughs> now You are going to hate me. I have thoughts before we get to the map. Hell yeah. The page, the page after the praise, you flip it one more time and you get the nice like title page of Elantris. Uh-huh. And it is interesting to me that this is not a series. This is kind of, you know, it's part of the Cosmere, but it's essentially a standalone book. And we have like 10 unique what I'm guessing are magical symbols. Um, oh, there's so many magical the, symbols in this book. The thing here. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, I, I think that, that honestly kind of gives me uh, hope to Sam's concern of whether or not the magic system will have rules. I, I see symbols, and I think those are probably in some way connected with rules, maybe. <laughs> well, often what I'll do when we're on episode zero is I'll just, like, while I'm listening and, like, digesting, I'm the kind of guy that you know twirls a pen or whatever but in this case in i just good flipped, company i flipped to a random page and uh it, like it was the end of a chapter and the person was like i don't understand this magic and then the guy's like oh you just do this and he made hand gestures and his fingers glowed and i'm like okay i guess brandon's going into it <laughs> i look forward to that i don't remember what page it was on but some character makes hand gestures and does magic wave of his hand yeah but a specific wave of his hand I do know the moment you're thinking of. I, I've been doing some rereading ahead of us getting started on this, and I do know the moment you're thinking of. So it's not too long before we'll get there, I think. It exists. It's a spoiler. It's a <laughs> It's a spoiler. In this Brandon Sanderson fantasy book, somebody does magic. Uh, <laughs> put it on the prediction sheet. All right, here we go. <laughs> Sam predictions. <laughs> First prediction. Someone does magic there. Sam, I made that prediction last episode. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, we have uh, we've gotten to the the fancy title page, proclaiming that. Actually, I don't know if we've stated this outright, but I know some people may enjoy reading along with us. Uh, this is the tenth anniversary edition, uh, which was originally published as the uh, super fancy leather bounds that are are really really cool uh this was actually the first one that they did uh but i am glad that they they then published the the paperback version of the 10th anniversary edition because it does i think there's like some typo cleanup and whatnot and then also 
there is a uh, a postscript chapter that has been included. So there's ten thousand words of bonus content, Justin. Yeah, well, it, it mentions them all in the back. We have uh, we have new maps and illustrations. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which I think, I know at least some of these were in the original, um, but this was before uh, Brandon had the whole kind of Dragonsteel art team and all the, the relationships that he had built up there. So for this edition, they did go through and, and do uh, a new a new version of the, the maps, which we're almost up to. <laughs> I just, uh, hey, guess what? I'm picturing... Uh, uh... The 10,000 additional words is going to be like the Strongbad email where Strongbad lists all the three-letter words he knows. <laughs> There's 10,000 additional words. They're just there. They, they're not coherent, but we have 10,000 more words. <laughs> I will now list off all the three-letter map areas I know. Hey, look, a transition. I think I'm going to seize on that transition and, uh, and, and go to the maps, of which there are three. Ooh. And like I said, one's a roadside souvenir map. Yeah, it is. You know, if we're getting into it, this very first map is kind of a wacky one. It feels like, I, I'm assuming the, the book will be heavier than this, but it feels like a map you'd see in like The Hobbit or The Chronicles of Narnia. It, it feels a lot less, I guess, gritty than a lot of our Mistborn maps. Um, and also just like, it could be that the coastline really is that flat. But seeing just a horizontal line on the coast, it reminds me of like a map that a monk would make who has no cartography experience and just is like putting everything in around the same place and then goes, yep, and then the ocean is that way. Um, and it, it feels like this map might not be the most accurate in the world. Maybe it is. Um, but uh, yeah, it just... The, the character of this map just feels completely different from anything we saw in Mistborn, which is already very interesting to me. I think it's good world building, though, because, like, if it is, you know, back in the day of the cartographer, hand wavy, the coast, etc., um, then that's a specific era that I can imagine and picture in my brain. It is, but we also get info on the map specifically because it says Isadan Sao. Yeah, this pronunciation is just going to be vibes, guys. Um, <laughs> Sao's new map of Aralon after the Riyadh. Look, we, we get a lot of world building in these maps, actually. Um, I noticed that Sao is also one of the labeled districts uh, towards the top left. So presumably the person who wrote this map is a member of of you know royalty or someone who runs the district or like a family that one of the districts was named after um we see elantris is on the map another thing that point i i found was what the fuck's going on with Kalti down in the south there's just a massive chasm and i have no further context for that so i'm interested to see what that is um and then another like weird thing is we get our rose compass and there's four made-up cardinal directions for this world, um, <laughs> which is, I'm so curious, like, I, you know, it's Brandon, so I imagine he would stick to this, but, like, the idea that characters will never say north or south, they're going to be saying Ato and Toa, um, Toa word, is, it's very interesting. I feel like it's very much, um, like... The idea of renaming your cardinal directions does feel very much like a this is my first fantasy world and I want to make it really interesting and strange and unique. We're definitely um, not on Earth here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am curious if that, you know... I, you you two have been very forthright with Elantris is not your absolute favorite. You still like it, but it's not, it's not like top-tier Cosmere. And I'm curious if there will be little bits of clunkiness in terms of Brandon trying to make the world so unique that it actually makes it hard to track like okay which way is Ake again does that mean okay no Kai is that way so he's going the other way um I'm curious to see how how in-depth it gets with with these aspects of the world at least we have a compass on this one <laughs> yeah <it's true. laughs> we're not just left flailing like in Mistborn where it's like just kidding we're at the poles how do cardinal directions work yeah, just kidding. North, 
is northeast on this map. That still baffled me that the entire <laughs> world was just slightly offset if you actually look at where the dominances are labeled. Yeah, it screwed me up the whole time I was reading because I was just picturing, like... I think I was completely backwards on the way that set, like, where Fadrak City was relative to Luthadel. Uh, just in my brain, I don't know, because it's twisted. The compass. But here it's not. Good job, Brandon. Or, or bad job, Brandon. I mean, technically, they they could be... Uh, the, the words may not match up with North being up. We don't know that. Please read map upside down. For sake of my own sanity, I'm going to just assume that North is up. We hang on, no, we did. It has been stated that uh, Skadriel is, for all intents and purposes, Earth, except where otherwise noted. Right? Pretty much, yeah. I think I'm going to interpret that to mean that North is the same North that we have. Oh no, I mean in in Elantris, we have this compass rose that's labeled oh, Ato, yeah, that? Kate, Who Toa, and Fuck knows. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> It's got the big arrow pointing up, though. That's normally north. Well, yeah, but when we get to the next page, I have more thoughts on the cardinal directions. I don't know if we're ready to move on. Well, I think we can kind of jump back and forth between the three of these, because if you do look at the, the regions depicted, we have three different zoom levels of the same area, because uh, we start with the the country of, of, of Aralon, and then our next one uh, is the uh, the city of Elantris and K, uh, which this is the one with the uh, the uh, the big touristy blurb on it, <laughs> but yeah, and and we can see like the 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 city of Elantris on the the previous map is just kind of a a big fancy symbol there, and then we zoom in on uh, the city itself here. If I'm allowed to get into my thoughts, I can't stop you. We have our tourist blurb on Elantris, and then it says, East of Elantris, the city of K. Also worth noting, K is one of the kernel directions on the compass we got on the last map. So that's not going to be confusing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it is East. Yes, that's true. So maybe everything, these just, are these pointing to, like, Elantris is in the middle, and so to the right is K, and that's why that looks like East on the map? I don't know. East of Elantris, the city of East. The city of East. <laughs> I mean, it would not be it would not be the first time that something has been named uh, something that is entirely obvious in retrospect. You know, the, the number of places that are just named, like, river or hill or whatever. That's fair. But in a different language, yeah. Right. I am a little sad that uh, uh, Torpenhow Hill, which supposedly means hill, 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 uh, is actually just an urban legend, but that would be funny if it was true. That might be an urban legend, but there is the one bear whose Latin name means like bear, bear, bear. Yeah. That that one's real. <laughs> yep. We can hold on to that. There's, um, you know, uh, well, my, my favorite one uh, is the, the the baseball team that is the Los Angeles Angels. You know, uh, the, that's, uh, that's a good the, one. The, the Angels Angels <laughs> of Anaheim. This one feels like an urban legend, but is, is it true about, I think it's the Yucatan Peninsula? Ah, yes. <laughs> Hi, Span Mexico guy here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I, I didn't know if it was brought up in the podcast, like completely unrelated before, but yes, Yucatan literally means I don't understand what you're saying in the native <laughs> language. What is this place? I, what are you saying? I don't speak what? Oh, it's what are you saying? So beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it happens. Language is confusing and weird. Also, Yucatan Peninsula back in the day was not beautiful. It was very swamp. It was mostly swamp. Beautiful now. All right, what else do we have on this map of Elantris and K and this little touristy blurb? See, it's a, it's a touristy blurb, but it also does describe the city of Elantris as now Asylum of the Fallen and Cursed, a canker. So, you know, not the best sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. visit. Well, there is really interesting world building here of 
illustrated here as she once was a reminder of what mysteries were lost, which implies that this map is probably no longer accurate. I'm guessing the city's probably going to be way more run down and, and probably feels, you know, judging from what I know, will probably feel pretty deserted. Um, and it's also really, really interesting. And I don't know, I mean, I, I, whenever I think there's a mistake, it's always intentional. Quan has taught me to, to think differently. Um, but it's interesting that according to this blurb, Elantris, like, there's the Riyadh. And we don't really know what the Riyadh is, but from what I can gather, it seems to be a thing. And that's the thing that led to Elantris falling. So we have pre-Riyadh surveys that this map is based on, saying here's what Elantris used to look like when it was nice. And then if we go back to the first map, oh, and also the City of K emerges from the shadows of the Riyadh, so this came presumably afterwards. Go on to the first map. New map of the Aralon after the Riyadh is what the first map is. So it's really interesting to me that Elantris is on this map, but the city of K is not on the map. The direction of K is, but the city is not. So I I think if you look at the uh the symbol next to Elantris on the map of Aralon. Oh my god, is that what the rose compass is? I, well, I, I think what you have there is that Elantris itself is the, the one in the center. And then you see the, the four kind of lobes around it. Oh, so it one of which is K. At all. Ah, so I was just speaking too soon. They do use east, north, south, all that. Interesting. So presumably, if, if this map is to be believed, there are three other cities slash towns surrounding the ruins of Atlantis that have just not been talked about, but Ato, Ake, and Toa might also exist, and Kea, Kea is just the one to the east of it. You can see the, uh, on the map of Atlantis, you can see the, the big roads, kind of the main crossroads heading off that way, but there are no, no cities shown there. Right. Can we talk about the city walls of K? Is it a wall or is it a moat? Because there's bridges over it, and then there's paths through it. It, this is like an optical illusion. Like the bottom, <clears throat> very bottom, like south, southwest yeah. little bridge over it, right next to a gap through the wall. It does kind of flip back and forth, doesn't it? That's really funny. <laughs> what, what is it? Yeah, this whole page feels like a Where's Waldo map. Like it's it's <laughs> it's very weird seeing like buildings in like a fair amount of detail. We there's in Elantris, there's like a castle with a little horsey inside. And a weird like football stadium, and like a lot of attention to detail, but none of them are labeled. They're just fun, cute little drawings, mm -hmm. and we don't know what any <laughs> of them mean. Yeah, where's Slow Swift's house? Where's mm. the citizen's house, and whose turn is it to be citizen? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that way back in the day. So then, do we want to take a look at our third map here? Sure. This is the map I was calling the roadside map, to be specific. Mm -hmm. It was just the big block letters that reminded me of, like, welcome to Montana, or whatever. <laughs> like the postcards Especially you pick up. The, the word Fjordan has just, like, a little bit of word art energy. It does. It kind of does, yeah. But then the, I think the title block here uh imposes a, a very different mood given that this is a survey by order of worm wolfden the fourth emperor of fjordan prophet of shudareth ruler of jadath's holy kingdom and regent of all creation yeah that gives me some lord ruler vibes which is also really interesting <laughs> also who's jadath if you're the ruler of the kingdom who's jadath i don't know like, there's there's a lot to the world of like i'm so curious where this is going you would think that an official survey by the Emperor of Fjordan wouldn't have a question mark on the map, but hey, maybe there are Rose Barbarians up north. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what they're up to? <laughs> but yeah, then on this map, you can see uh, that the country of Aralon uh, is fairly small compared to everything else that's mapped out here. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do see on this zoom level as well that kind of weirdly straight coast. I mean, from, from this far out, you probably wouldn't be able to see if it was more crinkled within that. But yeah, you can see the, the coastline there of, of Aralon, and then Elantris is labeled, though you can't actually see exactly where it is. That's true, but again, I, I still think I still think 
monk brain is in play with that first map because you can see there are a lot of like rivers heading inland on the world map and Elantris is on the you know top right side of Aralon right next to the mountains and then you go back and it's really the only only the one river that passes through Elantris that's actually marked down on the map that is purportedly mm -hmm. of all of Aralon. Uh, I guess There's you can see like, like a little tiny ones but they don't someone's scale is wrong here in terms of drawing the rivers slightly thicker lines yeah yep but n nothing quite like the the sickle map though which Naj throws shade at yep we do have yeah. another <laughs> another note from from Naj here and that does give me actually my very first theory is i assumed we were going to beat Naj at some point in the mistborn series and we really did not and Naj threw a little bit of shade in the Mistborn series, and here we have him mentioning, this was the best I could find, considering where you abandoned me. <laughs> so, the person he's writing these maps to is, either Naj is just very grumpy, or the person he's writing these uh, uh, maps to is, a like, a jerk. And I'm just gonna throw a theory out there. I wonder if Naj is, like, I don't know if friends is the correct word, but I wonder if he's working with Hoyd. That's 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 the vibe I'm getting at this point. We have now seen Naj in multiple worlds, and he is writing to someone that he is frequently annoyed with. And my brain is just telling me, yeah, that could be Hoyd. Naj is Hoyd's nom de plume. I mean, being annoyed <laughs> with, with things that Hoyd has done is kind of a universal constant of the Cosmere, so I will not dispute that fact at all. <laughs> I also just have a few other random notes. It wasn't until this last map that I started getting Norse vibes, but Wern Wolfden definitely uh, gives you that. And then also the just the font used for a lot of these um, feels very like they're they're meant to be similar to Nordic runes. All the other names like Hragen and Hrovel. Um And then with that in mind, we do... I don't think either of the other... Yeah, the first map has just kind of a nice pretty border. The second map doesn't have any borders. This third map has a lot of bones that appear to have runes drawn or carved into them. And then on each corner, there are these funky looking skulls that are also really interesting. And the skulls, you know, perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself, perhaps it's artistic license. Those skulls don't look human. Those teeth are not human teeth. Those appear to be some other form of primate, I would guess. Um, so that is just another very interesting thing to keep in mind, considering what, what these maps are communicating about the world. At the very least, it's definitely a, uh, a certain aesthetic that's trying to be set here. Yeah. Very Calavera-esque, the skulls. The, mm. the Mexican kind of adorned mm -hmm. skull. Yeah, with the, with the design on the top of the skull, yeah. I'm also just, I don't know what... What, what, what does the word sikla mean? Because we get a, the big word sikla and then a teeny tiny text, opalon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you said like you got Nordic vibes. This is like a Nordic sledgehammer. <laughs> <This is laughs> Fjordan and Hrovel. Oh, by the way, props for the pronunciation of Hrovel and Hragen. That was very effortless. I, <laughs> I was impressed. Thanks. <laughs> But I, yeah, I don't know. I got like Nord vibes, like Skyrim vibes. <laughs> it, but, but that is interesting to me because yeah, this last this last map is very uh, Nordic. But the first two, I did not get those vibes at all. We see Sea of Fjordan mentioned on the very first map, but aside from that, it felt like kind of generic fantasy names, and you know, like you said, a bunch of three-letter words just kind of scattered about. And then, yeah, we hit the last map, and everything feels like it's in Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. I did notice one is not three letters, though. There's Esha. Not to be confused with Ehe. It's got an S. Or Aha. Yeah, there's a very limited character range in, in these places. <laughs> we have Seo, Seo, and Dio. Dio! Dio! Um, yeah, it reminds me of when Dr. Seuss was bet, hey, I bet you can't make a really good book with less than 100 words, and then he made, was it was that one the one that was Cat in the Hat? I think it um, was Mulberry Street. Okay. But yes, that is a thing that he did. Um, this one feels like, hey, Brandon, I bet you can't make a country with only, like, six letters. And he was like, bet. 
Oh, by the way, it was 50 words, and it was the cat in the hat. Mm-hmm. I was incorrect I, on my, this, my Dr. Seuss Isn't Green Eggs and Ham? I just Googled this, too. My first bet was Hop on Pop, and then I thought about it, and I was like, no, I think it's Cat in the Hat. What Actually, what it might have been, I think he might have bet 100 words for one, and then someone doubled oh. down and was like, well, you can't do 50, and then he did 50 with the other one. Oh, I'm sorry. I... <sighs> fucking ladders theladders.com thanks for clickbaiting <laughs> me the ladders yeah uh shortly after the success of the cat in the hat a best-selling book limited to 225 words so I'm, i was wrong well, that's bathroom, way less right? impressive <laughs> somebody at some point wrote a book with not very many words and it was cool it was a good book said tweet <laughs> for sale baby shoes <laughs> <laughs> I like that this is, I like this even shorter version. I know. It's out like... never used, just for sale, baby shoes. <laughs> for sale, baby shoes, 10 OBO. <laughs> <laughs> How many words does OBO count as, though? Well, OBO, I'm pretty sure, is actually the name of one of the districts in Yeah, uh, no, it would be one. So... <laughs> Caleb is jerking the wheel back onto the road. <laughs> a rarity for me. So yeah, I think our our stage is pretty much set. Uh, I don't know if we want to feel free to throw more things out that uh, either of you are, are coming up with. But shortly after this, we have a, a title page. Uh, we have a prologue, which is actually just the exact same thing that's on the back of the book. I was going to say, back of the book felt very much like, I think I'm going to be reading all this again. <laughs> Yes. No, it is. The prologue is one page. It is exactly the text on the back of the book. And then you have part one, the shadow of Elantris. And a lovely gray marble background that you might see in a psychology book as the cover. <laughs> Just because it's calming or because it's like a Rorschach test? Well, no, like, I remember I had academic books that, like, the cover had the marble oh yeah no i know the exact one you're talking about yeah i've definitely seen like uh they're always small textbooks that have that exact background so brandon stole that or more likely his publisher did (laughs) brandon's publisher (laughs) i don't think that one's gonna catch on as much (laughs) do we even have any predictions (laughs) there's not a whole ton of like plot information to go off I have, of i have like guesses as to what even the plot will be about and i don't feel confident in any of them because we don't again back <laughs> of the book doesn't give us much um but i'm just you know i see the title of the book somebody's got to be going into the city of Atlantis. i i know that much um so i guess my main like theory slash question would be why if it's a fallen city and you know if they're Spoilers might be zombies of some kind. Um, like, what would be the motivation to go in? Um, so I'm curious if our main characters will be, like, archaeologists? Are they going in because um, they uh, feel the need to try and restore things? I'm curious if perhaps, looking at the back of the book, someone has recently undergone the Shayod, the transformation, and... Uh, now they're like well shit philanthropist is like gone what am i supposed to do now but they feel the need to to go in any way and try to investigate what happened that's i think that would probably be of of my plot hooks that i came up with that would be the most interesting one to me so that's my guess as to um why someone would enter uh such a city that has fallen um but yeah aside from that i don't have a lot of uh, a lot lot to go on so i'm just excited to get reading making a, a a quick draw prediction here let me write it down so i remember that i said it so i can timestamp it when i fail uh I, I think that uh in the book the shayad still happens but now it's a bad thing like it turns people into this zombified elantrian as opposed to a beautiful crystal skinned snowflake person <laughs> That's interesting. I'm good. Always good for Sam and I to, to to bet against each other, get some competition going. Um, yeah, my my bet is that at like kind of one big thing happened, the Riyadh apparently that that caused all of Elantris to fall. And my guess is the Shayad does not happen almost at all anymore. But then there's one special boy um, 
who is going to get get the magic or maybe one <laughs> memorable female character who gets it i can't tell for sure <laughs> all right we do have our uh our predictions locked in then for our, our pre-book which is honestly more than i expected given what little we had to go on yeah, yeah. i'm like it's again knowing that there's no like direct sequels to this it's like all right, someone declaring themselves the god emperor of the world or whatever, probably not a good dude, but it's, it's, I, I can't imagine the point of the book will be to overthrow him because he doesn't <laughs> even again. live near Elantris. <laughs> yeah, not again. Um, so, like, yeah, I'm just so curious how much, you know, we get these three maps. How much of this world are we actually going to be exploring? Or is it mostly going to be just Elantris, uh, the city? Um, and, yeah, I've got no idea. An Elantra sequel is cooking, right? Yes. Or am I confusing that with Warbreaker? Yes. Okay. Uh, both of them are, at least in theory. Let me see if I can find the listing of, like, everything that is in theory coming up. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely reads as a standalone story. I just think Brandon has plans, further plans in this world, and maybe more specifically with some of these characters question mark i don't even know the level of production that this man does is james patterson-esque and yet it's, it is <laughs> absurd <laughs> it's silly but james patterson has like a a, a company of people like <laughs> right a, a rotating writer's room when when brandon was in like the pre i have an announcement coming up phase for his his secret projects he was couching it purposefully in such a way that it seemed like it would be bad news so everyone was like oh boy needs a break he's been writing too much he he needs to take a take a quick writing break and we all support him and we all support this and then the literal next day he was like i have written four books <laughs> was it wasn't even that announcement like in the moment he was like i haven't written a book I've written for like it, yeah. even the sentence before the reveal, he was hyping it up to be like some sort of hiatus. Well, there was also the thing that, uh, and I was appreciative that, that he did this, but in the, um, in his weekly update video shortly before, um, it just turned out to be, he, he had a cold or something. He sounded a little under the weather. Uh, and so people were, were worried that it was it was a health issue that he was you know he had he had something serious to deal with and was going to be stepping back for a bit to deal with that um and he very quickly said don't worry it's not that before the <laughs> the announcement even came out that's good yeah no i i did check um apparently there are actually plans for an elantris two and three. Oh lord yeah <laughs> mm. avatar the second one's going to be a, a kind of a cool political thriller and then the third one's going to be when it's like the end of the world happening and they all have to team up to find these secret caches <laughs> throughout the world <laughs> yeah we have to keep in mind that elantris was published first so all the stuff that's like man i it's a little clunky i wish i could have done that better <laughs> we have a god emperor that needs toppling <laughs> And the first and third one could be movies, but the second one's more like a miniseries. <laughs> we figured it out. We solved it. I have a list of five ways to win me over uh, based on the back of the book that I'm not going to read because I'm going to keep them a secret. And I'll just tell, I'll tell you if he, if you reached it, but here's, gonna, here's the road secret. So I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into being a curmudgeon. This feels like one of those like articles on a presidential candidate. Here's five ways Brandon can still win. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, there there are things he'll probably do. I imagine um, to to avoid being hacky. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, let's. I want to start reading. I actually. Yeah, Sam's do. really this excited. Looks like an to interesting read. book. <laughs> it's gonna be great i'm smiling everybody yeah no, let's uh let's let's get into things so i can go ahead and mention our starting of our reading schedule i did mention that it is it is going to be three chapter kind of rotations of our our three main characters uh but we are going to be keeping our reading chunk sizes similar to what we did before uh so 
early on that's going to be usually slightly more than three chapters and later on way more than three chapters. <laughs> uh, so we're starting with our prologue, which we did already read because it's on the back of the book, uh, and then chapters one through four for our first episode. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that uh, at least something that was predicted uh, is going to get revealed in the very first sentence of the book. So we're starting <laughs> off strong here. Sweet. But yeah, I think uh, I think with that, we can go ahead and wrap things up with our usual bookkeeping and then start reading a new book. I'm looking forward to it. All right, everybody, let's start. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> I'm next just, 20 uh, minutes is just us turning pages. Exactly, just silence and then occasionally... <laughs> Just you hear its page turn every now and then, maybe some throat clearing. Every once in a while. <laughs> Live reaction. The odd. Hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Rampaging on keyboards for both me and Caleb. This would be peak content. <laughs> April Fool's Day episode. I have watched a live stream <laughs> that was nothing but two people sitting in front of a fake fireplace reading in silence. That's calming. It was. That would it's give me yeah. social anxiety, but I appreciate that, that not everyone feels that way. The fire's great. I would feel anxiety that me, my very presence would be bothering the two people trying to read, you know? All right. Well, uh, let's let Caleb and Sam do reading in whatever way they find most comfortable then. I love that segue there. Good job, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this book. I hope we haven't made it be like this. Sound like this book fucking sucks. Like it's it's hard to say like something is lower tier while still saying it is good. It's just conflicting thoughts. But I am legitimately quite excited to dive into this. I would say it like this: it's it's excited. lower tier, but it's also written by Brandon Sanderson. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's lower tier, but higher tier. <laughs> it's a lower tier of sort of like a higher system of rungs. It's called a ladder, traditionally, not a system of rungs. <laughs> a system, system of, of rungs. rungs. In the world of Elantris, they don't have the word for ladder, so system of rungs is all they have. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just about time for us to, to sign off here. We have to stop, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the things that you can do, as always, uh, you can find these episodes uh, on on alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can email us your thoughts uh, about, about what we've been reading or what we have coming up to read at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. We had a great time going through those and talking about some of the things that y'all brought up. So appreciate that. Hope it continues. Uh, in the meantime, you can also find us on Twitter at always another pod uh, and also on instagram at always another pod and maybe a third secret bonus social media that i'm currently still setting up more to come on that <laughs> but other than that uh we've got four chapters to kick off our next book and i'm looking forward to it hell yeah samesies